climate change, poverty, mental health, young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn, and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Good evening. I'm Shira Wolf-Cohen, and I'm excited to be your host for today's show. Normally, Amy is here every Thursday, but for the next two episodes, I'm going to be here to explore with you how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators, like myself, are using the power of service learning to redesign education. As I mentioned, I'm Shira Wolf-Cohen. I have been a partner of the NYLC for 20 years, and in just a few weeks, I take the role of board chair. So I'm excited to spend time shaping the, the minds of young people and having opportunity to speak with our guests today. This show is a two-part of two-show series where we will not only celebrate but have the opportunity to learn from a few of the 2021 Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes Award recipients. Today, we are going to meet two of the most amazing young heroes who are taking the world STEM by charge. Our first one is Rachel Park. She is the founder of Curious a nonprofit that brings hands-on science to underserved kids to spark curiosity and increase diversity in STEM. Her free after-school program has reached more than 3,000 at-risk students around the country and the world. Also with us today is Adarsh Ambadi, the founder of Green Environment Initiative, which designs solutions for environmental crises and also provides STEM education for underserved students. He is the inventor of a smart sprinkler system and a low-cost method for testing amphibians' health. Wow, it's amazing. Today, we are going to thank them so much for being here. I'm excited to learn from each of them and get started. But before we dive into the amazing work that each of you is doing, I'd really love to learn a little bit more about you. Um, would you mind introducing yourself to your listeners and myself and tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and what your passions are? We'd really love to learn a little bit about what you're doing for school, um, what you do in your spare time, your family, and anything you want to share about yourself um, so that we can get to know you more. So, um, Adarsh, would you mind kicking it off? Yeah. So, hi, my name is Adarsh Ambadi, and I'm a senior at Archbishop Midi High School. So, I guess a little bit about myself. Cal the California drought really instilled in me a passion for the environment. Um, academically, because of this passion, I'm drawn to things like ecology, environmental science, uh, biology, and computer science. In addition to these different passions of mine, um, I strongly believe that in a, a combination of things like innovation, education, and legislation are important to solve major issues around the world like climate change. Um, so I also focus on these fronts as well. Um, I have conducted science fairs since the fourth grade, and for fun, I love suckling gardening and playing Catan with my family. Oh, I love that. I love that. Um, Rachel, do you want to share a little bit about yourself? Yes. Hi, I'm Rachel Park. I am currently a freshman at Stanford University looking to major in computer science or bioengineering or some um, sort of interdisciplinary study of the two. 
Um, and this is inspired by my passion for um, bringing innovation and entrepreneurship to the healthcare space. Um, I believe that um, just bringing people together to turn ideas into reality will be um, incredibly profound in um, saving people's lives in the medical and healthcare um, fields. Um, and so that's what I am hoping to pursue um, post-college. I grew up in the Bay Area. I went to Menlo Atherton High School in Menlo Park um, and am really enjoying the California sunshine here. Um, and in my free time, I love to um, go on long trail runs, um, cook and um, play volleyball with my friends. Uh, I I really appreciate that you both have started um, really your interest in STEM and really like, you know, kickstarted your careers at such a young age. I think that reminds me a lot of myself and, and wanting to be an educator and knowing that at a young age. And then really also myself getting drawn into mathematics, both through a teacher, but also through um, just really loving numbers and understanding like what they could mean. And so I wonder if you might share what got you into um you know, the STEM field um, and what attracted you to science and why is that important to you? So Rachel, why don't you just continue and share some of that with us around your background? Yeah. So um, a little bit more about me. Um, I've always been a super curious person and um, I'm also someone who loves, who strives to find order in the chaos. And so ever since I was little, I've always um, asked the questions of why, how, what, um, and um, that, is, that naturally brought me to the field of science and, and the area of STEM. And, um, and for me, this ability to combine my innate curiosity with the potential to change people's lives through um, medicine and healthcare is super compelling to me. And that's what um, drives me to this day um, is sort of bringing this curiosity um, and applying it for, the, for, the, for good. Um, and so that's really what draws me to science is um, this, this endless possibility and potential. Um, I've also been super fortunate to have some amazing teachers in my life, as well as um, doctors as parents that have really fostered my passion for science through really exciting hands-on experience um, experiences and by truly caring for me as, as a learner and as a student. Um, and so I believe that this uh, crazy combo of mentorship and um, and support as well as curiosity and um, possibility is um, what really attracts me to science. Yeah, awesome. Uh, and I, just a, a you know, I we mentioned in the intro that you um, started you know a company program called Curiosity. It's spelled a little bit differently. I wonder, can you share the background of of maybe the spelling and and share that for people also so that um, they can check out your work. Yeah, for sure. So um, the nonprofit that I started, um, my biggest passion project is called Curious um, with an E in them, with a little twist, with an E, as you said. Um, so it's spelled C-U-R-I-E-U-S. And you can check out um, our work and our mission um, on our website, curious.org. Um, and this is inspired by Marie Curie um, and her work in paving a path for um, one of the big, but the biggest underrepresented group in science, women, um, and how that sort of shines a light on our mission in um, in lifting underrepresented groups in STEM. 
Awesome. I am super excited to learn more about um, that initiative as we get into the podcast. I am a big fan myself of unique names. Uh, as I stepped out of working in a school for um, almost 20 years and uh, leading a school as well, um, I also started a company called Innovageous, right? And so it's a little bit different, a combination of innovative and courageous. And so um, I love that name and I love uh, the twist on that as well. Um, Adarsh, can you share a little bit about how you got started? in science and why it's important to you? Yeah, for sure. So um, how I got started in science is actually a little bit of an interesting story. Um, so I first got started in science when um, I would follow my brother, who's like a lot, a little bit older than me. Um, and he would go to this like community biology lab. Um, and this was back when I was in sixth grade. So I wasn't old enough to do actual hands-on biotechnology research um, and actually do work in a wet lab. Uh, so a mentor at the community lab saw like, oh, I was a little bit disappointed. I couldn't actually get my hands on like the materials and the technology that my brother was able to do. And I, I felt a little bit, you know, uh, a little bit salty about that. So um, <laughs> he, he uh, this mentor came and gave me a small device called like a Raspberry Pi. And this is, yes. if you, if, yeah, if you not totally know, it, yes. Yeah, it's it's like this really cool, like you can program this tiny, like chip sized um, computer. And so I started programming on this device and I quickly became enamored with it. Um, I then used this Raspberry Pi to start developing my smart sprinkler system. And then I just my love for science just simply cascaded and developed from there. Um, I now have done like multiple science research projects. And I think a big passion project of mine is like trying to get this interest in STEM that I've cultivated through help of like the mentors and the people at the community lab to other youth around me in the Bay Area. Um, and that's something that my um, work with Gross STEMS does. So um, uh, that's, that's a little bit of like how I got started in science and like where I am today. Yeah. Uh, I want to further ask you a, a little bit of questions about um, what kind of suggestions would you have for folks, uh, educators, and this can be for both of you, right? We'll start with the Darsh, educators or um, students who are like, you know, trying to figure out what they're into, right? What their interests are. And they, they definitely like to tinker with things and they like science and math. Like what would be some suggestions that you might have for that like initial, you know, um, step into this world? Yeah. So um, I, for me, what I, my first step into this world was um, like computer science. So I really loved innovating with small things and small devices that I could use to build. Um, after I started using computer science, I started realizing, you know, I, I'm in, I, I like computer science, but I like it as a tool. You know, it's a tool and it can be used in many different fields. Um, and then I started thinking, what is it that I'm personally passionate about? And the way I analyzed my own perspective and my own understanding of what I am passionate about was by looking around me and around me at that time when I was growing up during that formative years was of course the major like event in California the massive California drought right and so um, that inspired in me an importance for climate change and the environment and I wanted to pursue that passion um, and so I thought you know I have this tool computer science let me combine it with this problem I'm seeing in the world which is climate change and drought and all things environment and I, I started doing like environmental engineering and that's where I am today so my advice yeah. for all young people would be, you know, if you have a tool that you're using, like computer science, it doesn't even have to be to, like computer science, but just try to like find a problem in the world, a problem that you want to solve, and then use the tools that you have available to you to solve that problem. And so from that like problem application perspective, you can develop interests and passions in science and STEM. Awesome. Uh, Rachel, anything you want to add into that before we take our first break? Yeah, I think Adarsh raises a lot of really good points. And 
um, and something I want to um, sort of a point that I want to extend is um, just looking around you and looking at the problems um, of the world today. I think that that's something that um, uh, educators can really can really do to support young young curious minds is bringing in relevant um, bringing in relevant topics, relevant problems um, that we see today, and then um, starting to like getting starting to get these young kids to think about it. I think that's also what really inspired me was the fact that like, I was like, oh my God, like um, I, I have a friend who like, I see people who with disabilities all the time. And then I learned about like brain computer interfaces. And then this sort of sparked this like um, passion for research and for, um, for like bioengineering and all that. And so I think that that is really, um, like really emphasizing and and uh, elucidating that link between like what you can do and like what you see around you is yeah. um, something that's uh, really important for staff. Awesome. Wow. Well, we're going to continue to dig into this. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to continue our conversation with today's guests. So stay with me, Shira Wolf-Cohen on the power of young people to change the world, Voice America Empowerment Radio. We'll see you in a few. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, getting started in service learning. A book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Uh, Good evening and thanks everyone and welcome back. Today we are joined by the 2021 Gloria Barron Prize winners of Young Hero Award recipients and we started today uh, with Adarsh and Rachel and we're now going to bring in Anjali Rao. She is a 15 year old inventor, scientist and STEM advocate who has hosted workshops for nearly 50,000 thousand students. Holy cannoli. 50,000 students across the globe. She was Times 2020 Kid of the Year and the 2017 America's Top Young Scientist. Welcome. Would you mind uh, introducing yourself for us? 
Absolutely. Um, first of all, thank you so much for having me. My name is Gitanjali. You can call me Anjali. I am 16 now and I'm an innovator, author, and STEM promoter. And I love running innovation workshops for students all over the globe. I run these workshops to really bring out my passion for research and innovation. I created a device to detect for lead in drinking water, another to diagnose for opiate addiction, and an app to detect and prevent cyberbullying. And I realized that one person can't make a difference alone. And to make that community movement, that's exactly what I'm doing and running these workshops to spread, I guess, spread global awareness about how each and every one of us can change the world for the better. So that's a little bit of what I do. Amazing. So um, I'm actually going to, um, you know, dig a little bit right into you. And I wonder, can you tell us a little bit about those inventions and um, where did your inspiration for those inventions come from? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first one is called Tethys, which helps to detect for lead in drinking water faster and more inexpensive than current tools. And it's built on something called carbon nanotube sensor technology. And it sends all the data to your phone on an app that I created. So for this one specifically, I heard about the water crisis that happened in Flint, Michigan in the U.S. And I essentially couldn't accept the fact that there was a city in our country where thousands of kids my age were essentially exposed to a poison every single day, right? And all because they were drinking water. Now, similarly, another solution I came up with helped to diagnose for prescription opiate addiction at an early stage, and it's called Epione. And it's named after the Greek goddess of soothing of pain. And Epione used the latest in protein detection methods to be able to detect for, um, I guess, an opioid level in your body as well and detect for opioid addiction. Um, and it's the first ever tool to clinically diagnose for addiction, which is pretty cool. And another one is called Kindly, which helps to detect and prevent cyberbullying at an early stage um, using, you know, a buzzword that we all hear, which is artificial intelligence. And it involves machine learning and natural language understanding and processing. So it picks up words or phrases that could be considered bullying. And instead of going straight to a punishment stage, it allows users to essentially say, you know, hey, this might not be the nicest thing to say and gives them the chance to reevaluate what they're saying instead of making them change it. So it's a non-punitive approach towards bullying. Um, and with that one, actually, I just recently launched it with UNICEF, who launched Kindly along with an anti-cyberbullying campaign alongside it. And I'm really excited to be working with them. But yeah, those are my ideas. Wow. My events. Wow, that those I mean, that's a lot of inventions, a lot of things that you have um, thought of and, and, you know, come up with at a young age, what what sparked your interest? Where did you where that interest come from? Yeah, so I guess an interest for science and technology is something I've had for a really long time. So it's always hard to answer that question because it's been intuitive, right, for so right. long. Um, my uncle got me the science kit when I was three or four years old, and that's definitely not what I wanted for that birthday. Um, but it did change the way I look at the world, and not just in the fact that, you know, things blow up and explosions happen, but the applications that science and tech has in the real world. And um, it's really exciting to, you know, see all of that play out um, because at the end of the day, I'm just doing it. I'm just a kid doing what she loves. And um, that's what makes what I do exciting to me. Yeah. I heard from all three of you when you talked about your interest and how that started, right? Someone gave you something, you started tinkering, you started exploring your curiosity, you started asking questions, trying to solve problems, right? These are all things that parents and educators can absolutely um, do and instill in their kids and their students, right? And so um, I want to dig into more about um, your inventions and your programs. So Adarsh, can you tell us about your uh, inventions and what are they and um, 
what inspired you to create those inventions? Yeah, for sure. So um, my two inventions were the smart, uh, like a smart community sprinkler system and the amphibian biodiversity protection project. I'll start with the sprinkler system, right? So um, this whole like sprinkler system, I first started in my idea, uh, in my mind, uh, because of, again, the California drought. So again, a lot of my environmental work is because of like the um, impacting California drought had on my life. Um, during this drought, right, there were a ton of city imposed strict water regulations. And so like, for example, when you're like watering your lawn, you had to turn it on only for these certain amount of time. Otherwise, you would get fined heavily. Um, so what happened was like my parents, uh, they just simply turned off the water and said, you know, I'm not going to deal with the fines. I'm not going to deal with the heavy water costs. I'm just going to turn it off. And then one day when I'm going to school, I see outside in my neighbors and my neighbors had this. The, it was it was raining. One of the few raining times it was raining during the drought. And the, the, my neighbor's sprinklers were turned on in the rain because they simply had automatic sprinklers and they just forgot about it and it was just a, such a jarring image to see the juxtaposition of like the brown dying long lawn that I had and this hmm. massive water runoff that like my neighbors had and so that's where I got this idea to develop this smart community sprinkler system and so essentially what it is, is it's a, it's a sprinkler system that combines moisture content detection and weather forecasting data. So it acts as this national weather database in order to like determine the exact and most optimal amounts of water that it should water for a lot. Uh, and then what I think is the most important part of this is that it not just targets one household, which a lot of sprinklers can do, but it then tweets out this information to the community. So everyone in the community has the ability to change their automatic sprinkler system to conserve the most optimal amounts of water, essentially allowing their lawns to stay green while conserving a lot of water. Um, and because it's twinning capability, it's also essentially uniting the community together in the central purpose of water conservation. Um, and when the interesting thing is that when I first started this project, right, it was really just a sprinkler system with a moisture sensor. It didn't have anything with weather forecasting or this Twitter information or even it didn't have anything to do with like city water regulations. And then what happened was I like went to a local science fair and I presented it and um, I was asked this question to a by a judge and he asked me like, why should I buy your, your device versus another one that's on the market? Um, and this was like, it was a little bit of like, you know, constructive criticism, right? Like it was drawing for me, um, but I was able to, you know, I realized that the question is extremely valid. So I had to go back. I did a ton more research. I incorporated these new elements and I tried to make the device more robust and more like potentially more water, uh, more water saving capabilities. Um, and then in the end, I did a pilot study with the people in my home, uh, in my neighborhood. And I found that they could potentially save uh, millions of gallons of water every year with this system, with this new, new, new additions added, including weather for forecasting and including like the Twitter communications. Um, and so that that's really what this whole this whole invention is about, right? This uh, ability, the, the importance of the invention is to bring the community together in, in order to conserve water. Um, that's the first invention I did. The second one is amphibian biodiversity protection projects. And this one is a little less to do with computer science and a little more to do with biology. So um, for example, right, um, again, with the uh, California drought in my neighborhood, um, I noticed that the creek in front of my home suddenly started drying up. And when this creek dried up, I noticed, I, or rather I didn't notice the croaking of the frogs that I would just generally hear every day when I was coming to school. It meant that 
this entire population of frogs that were living in the creek in front of my home had all vanished and they had all died because of the California drought. And then I remembered, I was reading this book called The Sixth Extinction. Um, and in the book, I saw about how there's this population, this massive population of amphibians globally that are being detrimented and devastated by this fungus called Batrachochytrium dendrobatidis. Um, and this fungus is 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 pervasive and it's increasing in uh it's increasing in the amount of time the amount of uh, killing capabilities for amphibians because of climate change and i wanted to do something to solve this problem i was you know inspired by the frogs that were in front of my own creek but and then also from this book um and so i used this technology or this technique in biotechnology called ribosome display and essentially what it is is i selected a fun a protein that this fungus secretes and i used ribosome display to engineer a new protein that can latch on to this fungal protein. And because it latches on, you can then create these small test strips that like just simple like home pregnancy test strips, but for this fungal protein. Um, and now conservationists, they don't have to use like PCR or lab requirements to detect this fungus in the in the like rainforest. They can simply take a swab and use these test strips whenever they need to. Um, and so that's this whole um, this biodiversity protection project that I did. Again, wow. the whole the whole thing about both of these projects is like working on trying to get conservationists and maximizing the ability for conservation. Um, and that's what both of these systems do. One is empowering the community. The second one is empowering the actual field conservationists so that they don't need like a lab degree to detect and help with this fungus. Um, wow. And so that's really what my inventions are about. Wow. Okay. So I've almost private question, but have you thought about Shark Tank? Because I've been thinking that while you've been talking about these things. Yeah, so um, I think right now what uh, I want to do first is um, make sure that, you know, both of these devices are working robustly. I'm trying to see yeah. if I can, you know, increase for the sprinkler system, uh, get more larger pilot studies so I can actually start yeah. selling them. And yeah. for the biodiversity protection project, there's a lot more tests yeah. and assays that I need oh, to yeah. do. But oh, I've watched plenty of Shark Tank. They're going to ask you about all sorts of stuff. But, you know, you, you have all these awesome ideas. And so, um, Rachel, I am wondering if you could wrap us up in this segment because um, we heard a little bit about Curious, and I'm wondering if you might be able to share um, why it is that you chose to um, commit to bringing science to underserved kids. Yes, thank you so much for um, introducing Curious a little bit. Um, so our mission as um, an international nonprofit is to bridge the opportunity gap um, in underserved students and increased diversity in STEM. And this comes from um, my experience in my own high school. Um, I went to a high school that, straddled, that straddles the most affluent and the under-resourced areas of Silicon Valley, um, which meant that like one of half of my classmates came from a feeder district that had 89% um, low-income students, teachers who rarely stayed for more than a couple months and the lack of resources to provide STEM classes. Um, while the other others had like um, private tutors and really hands-on experiences and um, really supportive teachers. Um, so sitting in my freshman year biology class, which was sort of an uh, experiment and in integration um, of these of these two quote unquote uh, schools under one school, um, I realized that there was a huge gap in enthusiasm and in curiosity. Based on um, based on their prior experience with science, um, and so talking to my teacher and my classmates, I realized that a solution for this would be to 
um, bring hands-on science and mentorship to um, kids when they're at an early age, right? And yep. so from there, the idea for Curious began as a um, as a small after-school program at a local boys and girls club, bringing hands-on science to um, under-resourced students every week. Um, and then realizing that our mission was universal um, and the, with the experience and the success of a pilot quarter at this local boys and girls club, um, we've established now um, programs at other community centers um, across over 20 chapters from California to Paris, which is really exciting. Wow. Um, wow. I definitely want to talk to you um, more about that. So I'm going to have you kick off our next segment because we actually have to take another short break. When we come back, we are going to hear more about how these young people got into their communities, made connections, and really succeeded in these awesome initiatives. Um, so Please stay with me, Sheer Wolf Cohen, on the power of young people to change the world. Remember, you can follow the show on social media, nylc.org, or find us at nylc.org. So we'll be right back. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to The Power of Young People to Change the World with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the show. Today, I am joined by three amazing Young Hero winners of the 2021 Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes, Jatanjali, Rachel, and Adarth. So welcome back. Let's jump back in. Rachel, I wonder, um, can you tell us a little bit more about how Curious has changed um, you as a person and how this experience has influenced who you want to be in the future? Yes, I think Curious has um changed my perspective, um, in, um, tackling problems around me today. And, and it's affected every aspect, um, of my life and that I feel like I've gained confidence in my ability to act boldly. Um, whether it be something as small as like, um, going to going up to a new person, a stranger and, um, asking to grab lunch, especially here at college. I think that's something, um, that might be a little scary, but it can really, it can lead to a lifetime, a lifelong friendship. Um, and so everything from making new friends to 
um, looking at the, looking at, looking towards my next venture, right. Um, and seeing what problems I'm passionate about and how to tackle them. Um, I think that, um, founding curious has really given me the confidence in, in my ability to do that. And also it's helped me just, it's helped me realize the power of bringing people together under a unified mission and the power of, um, collaboration, um, in, and um, like first prioritizing like conversation and empathy, um, and from there going going forward to um, to make an impact. Awesome! Wow, uh, Adarth, it has uh, you know your work has required you to spend time uh, working with other young people. So how is it that you recruit other young folks to join um, your initiatives? How do you get them excited about STEM? Yeah, so um, I guess I guess I could talk a little bit more about like what Grow Stems is before like I fully go into this question. So like Grow Stems really has like two major initiatives, right? And these two projects are um, general awareness of climate change and how we can help climate change and STEM education. And like you might be wondering, like these are two different things. Um, what we feel and what I feel strongly through Grow Stems is that they're not two different things. And by promoting STEM education, we can like develop the next generation of scientists who are well equipped with many different fields and industries um, to solve problems in climate change, because climate change, as we all know, is a major interdisciplinary problem. Um, so to that end, right, when I'm recruiting people to, you know, teach in growth stems, I have to recognize that climate change is going to impact my generation and many future generations for, um, in the future, especially here in California. Actually, talking simply about climate change is not really that effective in recruiting people because people already know about climate change and people already know about the risks and dangers of climate change. Um, because we're all in here in California, we're aware of things like the wildfires, we're aware of things like the drought, and they're all clear evidence that climate change exists. But excuse me, sorry, but what is most important and why recruiting other people and what is a requirement when recruiting other young people is to take the time to explain what it is that you are doing to solve this problem. Because I think we all, when we hear these massive global issues like climate change, we get a little scared and wondering, this is so big, what can I do to affect this change? And that's where I explain that growth stems educational initiatives, for example, are STEM classes with real world application to sustainability and an emphasis on the environment. What we do is we teach students how they can be the next leaders of sustainability in the future. And in doing so, we can help foster a giant generation of sustainable leaders in many different fields of STEM. And when I recruit teens to join and to teach, I explain it like this. I explain it why Grow Stems does these educational initiatives, why we, why our bioinformatics class, for example, has a couple slides talking about climate change. When I can explain that the purpose is to develop future scientists, they can internalize that and understand this is the mission that I've been entrusted with as a member of Grow Stems. And I am very much passionate to do this teaching and they get more involved with the organization. Getting students excited about STEM is a different matter, right? This is this is talking about recruiting actual students to attend the classes and learn. And this requires something more with the curriculum and how the classes are oriented, right? And these classes are application focused. Students already learn a lot about theory of sustainability or even a theory of these major bio or these major fields of science of STEM in, in their classes and in their school. But by teaching students with theory alongside hands-on application, students learn about the use of these various techniques and 
because we're also having a strong emphasis on sustainability, they are starting to connect how they can use these techniques to help solve problems with sustainability in the future. All right, they're more excited about the many different possibilities of STEM. Um, and so that's how Grow STEMs really is aims to like combat climate change, but also getting its own teachers excited about STEM, uh, STEM education and getting its own students excited about learning about STEM. I love that. I love that taking the approach of like, we have to get educators excited because they're the ones that then help students get excited. Um, I used to run a program in Philadelphia called the Teacher in the Workplace STEM Fellows. And it was all about how do we ensure that our teachers are prepared to engage our students in curiosity building and preparing them for careers that are not yet established, right? Um, And specifically in STEM. So I love that you really worked uh, to support those teachers as well. so, um, Anjali, would you mind sharing us, uh, how have you been able to navigate this world, right? This world has historically been for adults, has been for males, right? And here you are um, with all of these incredible initiatives, inventions. Um, how's it been to navigate that world? And how do you get um, adults, right, to really take you seriously? No, absolutely. And I think that is a very valid question, especially for the 21st century, right? Um, We've spent so much time looking at equality, and I'm really excited that we're seeing progress in that area specifically. Um, And I think first and foremost, before I say anything, progress, right? We are making progress. And I like to say that we've done a lot, but there's more that needs to be done. And I think the first thing that I kind of had to recognize is that it is okay to be a female in a male-dominated field, right? Um, I think me being me speaks for itself. I am, you know, 16 years old. I am a female and I am South Asian, all of which is completely breaking the stereotype of what you see in a normal scientist or what you see in a normal innovator, per se. And, you know, what I've learned off of that is there are going to be people who shoot you down. There are going to be people who don't like that, but nobody defines your passion except for yourself. And that's what I tell all the girls I talk to. And I think another more powerful message is, you know, while it is easier done than said, or easier said than done, um, it's much, or I guess it's, you can't change what people say about you, but you can change how you react to them. And I think that's what we have to, you know, it's unfortunate that we do need to teach girls to be able to do that. But I think in today's age, it's an important quality that everybody should learn, right? You know, figuring out ways in which we react to people as well. And you also said, how do you get, you know, adult males specifically to take women in STEM or even youth in STEM um, seriously? And I think what I do there is just answer questions, right? A lot of times, I guess, you can't, it's not really fair for me to say, you know, ignorance, but all I say is um, curiosity, right? Feed that curiosity, answer questions, um, make them known about why perspective is so important, especially in the 21st century. And at the end of the day, um, I think we as a community need to make that effort together. It can't just be one person doing it. And that's why I'm really excited to be here among two other incredible people in the field of you know, science, startups, um, really what they're passionate about, but also just, um, you know, being here and speaking on behalf of our generation and sharing that if I can do it, if we can do it, anyone can do it. Oh, it's amazing. And I think uh, I want to keep on that 
theme of youth voice, right? Um, which is a really huge part of um, the work that you all are doing, right? And so, Rachel, what have you learned about the need for young people to share their voice? And what, it, what issues do you think are most important that um, youth really should have their voice, you know, heard on? You know, I think specifically um, from my experience in the education system, um, working with younger kids as a part of Curious, as a part of our after school programs, I think that I really learned through experience that a a uniqueness of our programs was our age, right? Like it might have been a barrier in getting started, but I think it really brought us closer to um, the students and the youth that we were working with because we were able to provide um, really accessible, um, super, um, and, uh, super like fun and, um, exciting role models to these, to these kids. Right. Um, and so I think that is what is, um, one of the, one of the important, uh, pieces of like young people needing to share their voices is that our world is so fast paced that we need to be constantly feeding the curiosity of, the next generation, right? Because the future will be in that generation's hands. Um, and so that specifically applies to more of the education system. Um, talking more about the need for young people to share their voices in, in all fields and in all aspects, um, I think that um, uh, we can really, um, we have a, we bring a fresh perspective to the table, right? I think that uh, your follow-up question was like, what issues you think are most important to mm-hmm. us right now, um, especially pertaining to the issue of climate change, which I'm sure that Adarsh can um, speak speak um, more about. But I think that um, in this example, we can clearly see the future of the planet is in the next generation's hands. Um, and it's up to us um, to really take a proactive, preventative approach um, to save our planet rather than a much more challenging retroactive approach. And we can already see some of the pieces falling apart, right? And um, trying, to put them, w- trying to put them back together is much more challenging, difficult, and a lot less effective. Um, I think the metaphor that I'd like to use here is that like um, when you, you tear a piece of paper apart, you can't really put them back together. And so I think it's up to the keepers of that paper, which are, um, which are or the, the next the next keepers of the paper, which are the youth of today, to make sure that that the current the current um, people who are who are the adults who are sort of running our systems today um, are speaking for are are looking forwards and towards the future. Yeah, I am. I know that this work. Um is not easy. And so I want to commend all of you for this just hard work in doing stuff that even adults aren't able to do right now, right? And traversing this uh, pathway that, you know, hasn't necessarily always valued youth and their voices. And so I want to ensure that you all are continuing this work because by golly, uh, the world needs more voices like yours. So at this point, we do need to take one last short break. Uh, When we come back, we're going to get some final reflections with today's guest. So stay with me, Sheer Wolf Cohen on the power of young people to change the world. So we'll be right back. America. 
America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. For nearly 40 years, the Minnesota-based National Youth Leadership Council has worked globally to transform classrooms, empower teachers, and captivate students by leading the way in providing high-quality, dynamic service learning content to school districts, classrooms, after-school programs, and everything in between. NYLC accelerates student achievement by strengthening academic, civic, and character outcomes through service learning. They tap into the passion, creativity, and ingenuity of all young people to make meaningful change happen. NYLC offers a variety of paths to reach service learning excellence through membership, its annual spring national service learning conference, customized professional development, tools, resources, and soon to be released, Getting Started in Service Learning, a book designed for teachers ready to lead the way to address real-world issues with all young people, inspiring them to serve, learn, change the world. Visit nylc.org to learn more today. listening to the power of young people to change the world with Amy Muirs. To find out more about Amy and the National Youth Leadership Council, please visit nylc.org. Now back to the show. Ah, Welcome back. It is our last few minutes and I want to get some final reflections from each of our guests today. So we're going to start with uh, Darsh. Would you mind sharing, um, what do you want to tell the listeners about what they should take away and remember from listening the show. What are some of those key things they should walk away with? Yeah. So uh, one of the biggest things that I want everyone who's listening to show to the show to walk away with is first is that the environment encompasses basically all that we need really to sustain life on this planet. We live in a highly complex and interconnected world and climate change is real and it's then threatening the environment and directly or indirectly all life on this planet. So the time to act is now. And so this means to all youth out there who are going to inherit this earth in the future, right? Whether you're involved in legislation, grassroots activism, education, try to start thinking about innovation as well because these innovation, innovating accessible solutions that can amplify the effect and by engaging the general public um, are very crucial to solving these complex issues. So I would implore all young innovators today to pursue environmental projects as the destruction of the environment will affect our generation the most. So if we as youth choose to ignore this problem, it'll only magnify until we can't solve it anymore. And at that time, it won't be easy. It won't be easy to develop these innovation strategies and then to make them public. It definitely wasn't easy for me. I faced a lot of challenges by people who didn't trust like the smart sprinkler system or didn't trust amphibian biodiversity protection project because they felt like I was too young. But as you start innovating and as you start, you know, maybe gaining some successes at local science fairs, you'll gain a reputation and you'll gain this ability to have confidence in your work. And so never give up on the thing that you are most passionate about. Um, For all adults out there, I also want to talk to them. Please encourage these youth. Give them a chance. Like my sprinkler, my sprinkler project wasn't actually meant taken very seriously 
until it was mentioned in the Raspberry Pi Magpie magazine. So give them the support and the necessary, the, like everything that they need to thrive and to learn about their interested passions in field. So by, you know, your own youth passions and your youth voice out there, your innovation, as well as all the help that the adults can provide to support everything you've done, you can really create a lot of great solutions and like technologies that can help save this, like the earth from like this devastation problem of climate change. Oh, I love that. And um, I'm sure that you all have advice on this. But I'm going to ask Rachel, would you mind sharing if if you could give advice to other young people who are out there that have an idea that could bring change to the world, whether it's in STEM or anything else, what kind of advice would you give them? Yeah, so I think um, the advice I would give them is twofold. The first one is to um, just do it and to follow that passion, follow that idea. Um, because I think the saying that I keep in mind whenever I'm, whenever I'm encaptured by an idea is the worst they can say is no. Right. So, um, some of my greatest opportunities have come from just going, just like going up to people or, um, taking these risks. Um, I remember my uh, for Curious, the first after school program, the pilot program at the local Boys and Girls Club, um, that started with me just walking in one afternoon and asking to meet with the director of the Boys and Girls Club. And um, without taking that risk of just like just walking in, I feel I probably would not be here today. Um, and so really, um, really just following that and not being a, not being discouraged by um by by little mistakes or not being discouraged by by the fear of failure i think that that's um that's the the engine for um really bringing about that change um and then to to keep going um and to really uh grow and develop your 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 idea i think uh, the importance of bringing people together under under that idea is really important. Um, there's a famous saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think that um, bringing in other young peers, um, seeking mentors, um, just bringing all these incredible minds together to uh, to uh, really expand your mission and 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 bring it into reality. I think that um, that is one of the biggest um, catalysts for for uh, how I was about to bring about uh, how I was um, how I was able to bring change. And um, I think that that is one of the greatest pieces of advice for awesome. a young entrepreneur. Awesome, uh, Angela. You uh, you know have a lot of experience. You've networked with a lot of um, young people. How are you um, going to continue to lift up uh, young people in your work? And then what do you hope the listeners remember about this show? Yeah, absolutely. And I think the first thing um, that I'll continue to do is continue running my workshops and hopefully reach higher numbers. I've impacted about 56,000 students now. And obviously, I'd like to make those numbers even bigger as well. Um, Continue running my workshops, but also making these workshops self-sustaining beyond me. So working with other like-minded peers and individuals who can also share their journey, their stories, and their excitement for science and technology with more kids and induce that ripple effect even more. And if I had to share one thing for everyone in the audience to take away, obviously I'll echo exactly what Adarsh and Rachel have been saying as well, but also just this idea that it is okay to take that first risk. You know, sometimes taking that first risk is what brought me to where I am. And I think 
taking that first risk seems so difficult, but the reward is always more. And that's always an important thing to understand because the worst thing that's going to happen is that you fail. The worst thing that's going to happen is that it doesn't work the first time. The worst thing that's going to happen is that you get the answer no. But you can always get back up and try again and ask again and, you know, make a difference in the world around you because each and every one of us have the power to do so. I'll hand it back over. Awesome. Uh, in about 10 to 15 seconds, Adarsh, if someone wants to connect with you, how do they do that? Yeah, so you can like definitely email me um, at adarshdombody1 at gmail.com or you can check out my website, Grow Stems. There's like a place where you can, you know, check out, um, so submit like a submission form to see what it is that Grow Stems is doing or like if you want to buy one of Grow Stems' succulent favors as well. Perfect. And Rachel, what about you? Yeah, same here. I think email would be the greatest way to reach me. Uh, my email is rachpark at stanford.edu. That's R A C H. P-A-R-K at stanford.edu. Um, I'm also, uh, I, I love to meet new people and my inbox is always open. So. Perfect. And Angela, go for it. How can they connect with you? Absolutely. So my website is gatanjalirao.net. Um, and then my LinkedIn is at gatanjalirao. I'd love to meet you guys. And then Instagram and Twitter at gatanjaliarao. And that's probably the best way to reach me. Awesome. And I know that all of those uh, will be available. And so I absolutely want to thank each of you for sharing your passion with us today. Um, thank you for making an impact on your communities and on the world and on, on the future of um, how we're going to live in this life and how our future generations are. Congratulations again to each of you for winning the 2021 Gloria Barron Prize for Young Heroes Award. It It is so well-deserved. Um, if you want to learn more about all of these this year's winners, um, you can visit barrenprize.org. Uh, these young people are joined by a host of other young people. You can also email at info at nylc.org, and I will make sure that you get connected. These students have amazing stories to share. Each of them was inspired to take action, to create solutions uh, to problems that our world is facing. And this is what service learning is about, creating opportunities for young people to apply their knowledge to issues and to take action. Whether it's creating an initiative that addresses cyberbullying, a sprinkler system that saves water, or a nonprofit that serves underserved communities, young people put their creativity and passion into action through service learning. If you're an educator who wants to learn more about service learning, check out nylc.org. You can download free resources, sign up for professional development, including our Certificate in Service Learning Instructional Leadership, which Amy and I co-facilitate. Or you can just contact us to get started. To our listeners, thanks so much for joining us today. If you missed the start of the show, it's not a big deal or you want to access prior shows, you can visit our homepage on Voice of America Empowerment Radio and download the podcast from iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Google Play. I hope you're tuned in to us uh, next week. I will also be joining. Uh, we are going to be meeting with three amazing leaders. We're going to be meeting with school leader Just Je Dr. Jessica Thomas, along with young entrepreneurs Nicodemus Modedu and uh, Ruby Cohen. So please join us. Save the date Thursday um, at 6 Eastern Standard Time. Until next week, we look forward to seeing you then, and we hope you join us. So please join us to serve, learn, and change the world. See you next week. Thank 
you for tuning in this week to The Power of Young People to Change the World. Your host, Amy Muirs, will return for another program next Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Together, we'll serve, learn, change the world. 